This episode of Writers Get Animated has vampires, and that's it. No interviews, no sparkles. Stay tuned. Good evening, and welcome to Writers Get Animated, a podcast about storytelling, animation, and bad vampire voices. Ah, ah. Uh, I'm Chris Leva. And I'm Mackenzie Worrell, not even attempting a vampire voice. <laughs> and I'm totally finished with the vampire voice for now. Um, I can't promise that it won't come back in some form a little bit later. But today we're talking about video games becoming animated shows but specifically investigating something new from Netflix and sort of Nintendo, but mostly Konami. Is Nintendo involved in this? No, they're not, but (laughs) it was a Nintendo game. uh, Castlevania. Castlevania. I don't know why I had to do the hand gesture when I said it. So it's like a fanned out hand gesture. If you've seen Mark Morris's Dido and Aeneas, it's the hand whenever they say fate. I mean, it, I felt like I was entering Xanadu. Um, oh, okay. So I thought it was like this sparkly like rollerblade like vampire thing. We said no sparkles. No sparkles. I mean, it's this, a hypothetical sparkle. Okay, got it. So we're talking about Castlevania. And we're looking at Castlevania for a couple of different reasons. One, because it's new. Um, two, because it's an adult animation and we don't get a lot of chance to talk about adult animation. And while the themes of the show are adult, this conversation won't necessarily be, um, but it is not appropriate for young children. Um, So anyone under the ages of, I would say 17 should not watch it. I mean, it's it's mostly like a lot of blood, like a lot of blood, like grotesque amounts of blood. I that like, was that was the first. I'm in thing. an early Peter Jackson zombie movie amount of blood, which is a real reference. Look it up. <laughs> I thought it was yeah. I was getting Django vibes from you know a Tarantino to the excess amount. Oh, I thought this was over Django. Oh, have you seen what's Peter Jackson's first movie? See, I made the reference, but I don't remember what it's called. <laughs> Look it up, it, internet. It has the record for the most amount of implied blood and fake blood ever used in a movie. Wow. And it's from, it's like his first movie, so it still holds that record. I mean, like, rooms flooding with blood as zombies get killed with a lawnmower. Wow. Yeah. And this beats that somehow. Animated blood. So we talked well, about... it's easier. I know, it's easier to animate oceans worth of, <laughs> of blood being rained upon people, but um, I think we wanted to, the last time we talked about video games, we talked about friendly things like Legend of Zelda and Sonic. So Mm -hmm. you can look up that episode, which we'll have in our show notes. That's that's happy times. This is a little bit darker. And when I say- this is very different. When I say a little bit darker, it's like, it's considerably, considerably darker. Um, they, They took a- somewhat whimsical, fun, 8-bit video game and turned it into an anime wannabe bloodfest. I mean, that's underselling the video game. Like, the whole thing is, like, this 
And I don't mean this necessarily in a derogatory way, but the whole thing's an anime wannabe blood fest. I'm talking about I'm talking about the the, the show. Yeah. But I mean, like the the show and the game. I think the game is also like it's it's meant to be like dark and adult and like be violent and gory. It's it's kind of like that early. I think it caught on in like the early wave of like uber horror kind of genre thing that took off like late nineties, early two thousands. True. So let's look at where Castlevania came from originally, and then we can see how it's translated. Um, what's interesting about this show is that it's not based on the first game of Ca- in the Castlevania series. It's based on the third game, which is interesting. Um, well, I mean, the first game was like for NES. Like, how much story can you tell? Oh, look, we have two plumbers and they went through a pipe in a mushroom kingdom and they have to fight a giant turtle for a princess. Done. That's as much story as you can tell on the NES. <sighs> That's true. And that was pretty... Pretty epic as far as stories go. Um, I'm, I'm not going to get into Super Mario Brothers the movie right now. I'm going <laughs> to ignore that that happened for a moment. But I think we all should. <laughs> yes. So the series debuted, the, the Castlevania series, video games series, started in 1986 in Japan. It hit America in 1987. And... It started a new way of telling a story in video game form. So much so that it became um, It and Metroid series. It, it and the Metroid series got lumped together into this new kind of storytelling. Metroidvania games is what they, they called them because of the way that the story was told. Well, okay. Let me... As a Metroid fanatic, let me back up here. Okay, go ahead. Metroid started this new form of storytelling, and <laughs> Nintendo and their infinite wisdom has never released enough Metroid games. So you get a knockoff of Castlevania, which is a really good knockoff, and does new and interesting things with that. But yeah, it's like this wandering through halls, side-scrolling, like kind of free-form thing. Could you say... uh one or two more sentences about that. Mm. I mean, Metroid, there's so much about Metroid that changed video games. I don't know if we've talked about it in this podcast before. I may have, because Metroid was like, it was a 8-bit NES game where you're walking around a space bounty hunter shooting villains and this evil space pirate and a giant brain. Um, and at the end of the game, if you get enough, the space bounty hunter takes off the helmet and he realizes you've been playing as a female protagonist this whole time in 1986 with a gun kicking butt. So it's like the big, it was the the helmet taken off with the hair flowing out heard round the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, for those people who were able to beat the game. Yeah, which is re- extremely difficult. I've tried. <laughs> um, yeah, Samus Aran is, she chained, like not just because the game was fun and interesting and engaging, but like the ending and the twist of like, not knowing you're playing as a woman the whole time is so interesting. And to be f- also to like harp on Metroid a bit, it's like a ripoff of the movie alien completely. <laughs> like it, it's inspired by that. And that the main antagonist is Ridley off of Ridley Scott, the director of alien. Not making this up. Chris is making I, a face. No, no, no. I'm just listening. I'm enjoying. Yeah. So Metroid. Awesome. Let's, make more of this Castlevania, which is what you did in 8-Bit Days. Like, oh, this game was successful. Let's do the exact same thing. 
because it was in the days of like, what is a video game? How can we make more of these? And to be fair, I think we're still in that phase of like, oh, look, Flappy Bird's a success. Let's make 2,000 knockoff Flappy Bird games. Right. Yeah, there there is a lot of that. Once they find something that hits people's imaginations the right way. And whether it was the gameplay of Metroid or the storytelling of Metroid or the character of Samus that caused people to go through that, I think they assume that it's as long as we just change the names and give it a little bit of something, maybe we can create what's here. And Castlevania does stand on its own as its own thing. And to their benefit, they cranked out games faster and kind of developed on their own ideas and um, the gameplay in their own way in a faster way, too. Um, so it does stand on its own as this thing. But, like, you have to wait till the third game till there's, like, story. <laughs> yeah. they, And I think that was the main thing that they were trying to do. A lot of it was have a story that was compelling enough that the person playing the player one i would that be like a thing but the player would become invested in the character and the story and want to just explore and not simply play through to get to the end and figure out the ending and quote beat the game it wanted to be more than just get to the end of the game that it was more than just jump over enough things smash enough things to save a princess at the very end. Mm-hmm. It wanted and to be about character development and exploring a, a full world. And part of the fun is that discovery. It's, it's not like Sonic or Mario or Zelda games where it's iterating on challenges. Like, okay, here's a, the classic Mario example in world one, one, like you have to jump from this platform to this platform, but there's ground beneath you if you miss. And then you have to jump from, this tall thing to this tall thing and there's a gap with death in the middle like it kind of helps you build castlevania and metroid let you explore and there's a lot of that is like making up your own narrative as you go because you are invested in the game and the character and there's not as much direction so you have to kind of make up the direction and look for clues that make sense and tell you where to go so i think that might be why this show is so different than some of the other video game shows we've talked about because like, yeah, there's story, but there's also, like, these fun details in the, the, what's sort of looking for? The production design. Mm. Um, it's almost like, like, there's a, there's a head cannon someone's using. Fanon, as I call it, but as I've learned, fanon isn't a real word, whatever. I've heard it more. I've heard it more. That's because I've said it to you more. <laughs> no, I mean, on, from other thing, other people who aren't you, I've heard it. Oh, okay. It's catching on. It is into our podcast. Yes, we must keep it going. Fanon, Fanon, Fanon. Okay. So, Fanon. Yeah, so it's... There's not as much of a clear-cut story, so you get to invent more and do more with Castlevania, and that kind of lends itself to the show that we get, which happens in four episodes, four parts, um, which kind of feel like... How to describe it? It kind of feels like the prologue to something. Yes. Um, what's really difficult about it, and I know we'll get into it when we get into our meat and small potatoes. It's it's based on the third Castlevania game, which itself is a prequel to the Castlevania series. 
So the third game is actually before the first game, which, Mm -hmm. of course, you know, that makes perfect sense in video game realm because you have to, if you beat a character, the only way to beat them again is to go back to a time when they haven't been beaten and they're still alive or something. But I know that they're coming back with a second season with eight episodes. So, yeah, so, something like that. So there are going to be more episodes of it. And I think what's interesting about it is the way that they've decided to play with the, I guess, the, the original material being the game itself, but also it's different in that it's drawing from something before the game. So the game itself is playing with the idea of Dracula and Dracula's castle and vampires and this whole lore that goes along with that. And unlike, you know, the plumbers, if we if we keep going back to the plumbers, there's not Mario Brothers isn't drawing on I'm sorry, Super Mario Brothers isn't drawing on I didn't want anyone to think that I was doing the original Mario Brothers, the arcade <laughs> game where they're just in the tubes. No, but the Super Mario Brothers isn't drawing on lore that came before the video game. It's not drawing on something else that the game is based on, unless there's some sort of plumbing lore that's out there or mushroom lore, which I'm not aware of. Like Lewis Carroll. I don't know if there's like something there, but. <clears throat> The people who are making Castlevania can go back to Bram Stoker and pull from that as much as they pull from the game. So maybe the game can give them certain lore and certain characters and a certain mythology, but they can go back even further and draw on the whole thing, the whole idea of Bram Stoker and Dracula and even go back further to what Bram Stoker was drawing on and the original things that Bram Stoker was adapting Dracula from. But they also do like these fun, it's not just drawing from old ideas. It's also like doing these fun little things that are, I mean, having not played much of Castlevania, they're like, they're little anime-esque, like fun combinations of things like, the whole steam-powered moving castle of Dracula. Like, okay, it's like part Hell's moving castle, part Hogwarts. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But with Dracula. (laughs) Which makes it better somehow. Or or not. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, you can see the influences of these things. I guess for me, I didn't feel... I didn't feel like anything original was being told or shown here. Um... And it combined old things in interesting ways, but it felt like it could always like place where the things were coming from, whether from the game or some other part of pop culture. Right. It did feel like it was drawing on things that are out there in pop culture and deliberately going against certain things and certain ideas. We've had a lot of vampires in popular culture recently. Mm-hmm. Um, some more sparkled than others. Um, but I think they're playing around with having to redefine vampires and Dracula himself. And they have to do that quickly or they thought they had to do it quickly. Let me put it that way. 
they thought they had to do that quickly and then play around with everything else. The, the thing that was most interesting, how do I want to put this? Let's, I'm trying to find the, the best way into this conversation, into the meat and small potatoes, because it's not that I didn't enjoy Castlevania. It's that I couldn't find my way into Castlevania. I was thinking about this, and I, I agree. Like, I wasn't bored watching it. Yeah. I felt it's very... Fu- I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, it, it's fun to watch. And then as you're talking, I'm thinking about, like, I think the question here is why make a dramatic piece out of an open-ended video game adventure? Mm. How does that translate? Because it's a lot more... You can't... Like, watching real life happen isn't fun. I'm sorry, French film classic Breathless. You're not good. It's not interesting. (laughs) And I kind of feel the same way. Like, some people love to go on Twitch and watch other people play video games. That's just not interesting to me. Yeah, we we had this thing. One one of the playwrights who came visiting, professional playwright, came visiting through our program said, just because it happened to you doesn't make it interesting. Mm-hmm. Which, which is completely relevant. Is that It can't be that this is true doesn't make it interesting or amazing or fantastic somehow. Yeah, well, I'm completely not saying, agree. I'm not saying that Dracula is true. I'm just saying... <laughs> Like just because they're they're translating it a certain way doesn't make it cool just because you're making making it and just because there's blood and violence in certain things doesn't mean that it's interesting. And I was trying to think of memorable sequences and I just remember there's this whole like big sequence with a cyclops. Yeah. And it it's like this boss fight, and in retrospect I don't remember any of that because it's not character driven it's not a character moment it's just like watching this nifty action sequence where uh belmont fights the cyclops and it's stylish and cool but like there's no tension to it because it it doesn't there's no stakes like why is he fighting this does it reflect on his character like what's he trying to do what i don't there's nothing to invest me dramatically in that moment now if i'm playing that video game yeah that's an awesome moment i remember that because i played it and that was cool and challenging and fun to figure out, but it doesn't translate to drama. Which I think you have to have in a show, right? Whether it be animated. <laughs> I'm going to spit out my tea, jeez. <laughs> Whether it be animated <laughs> or otherwise, it, a show should have some sort of drama or thing happening that's interesting for your character. Um, and I... I guess that's why this felt like it was all prologue because there's a lot of setup. You can tell there's a lot of things happening, <laughs> but it felt like they were to create tension later. And what they did in each episode, and I think I watched them all in a row because they're all they're all 20 minutes long. You know, they're they're short. Um, it would be great as a Castlevania movie in terms of hey, this is the setup to the real show, as you were saying, prologue as opposed to four distinct episodes, because they started to have Netflix endings. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by Netflix endings, there's something that Voltron is, you know, guilty, guilty of, of. but I love. Is that it's continually ending 
on cliffhanger after cliffhanger and things that are unresolved and not unresolved to the point of adding a mystery, but unresolved to the point of you basically just start the next episode. Since we've already started this episode, why don't you just let it autoplay in 10, 9, Oh, eight, it's down to like four seven. seconds now. Oh, up, oh, up! Oh, it's playing. It's playing. We lied. It wasn't really 10 seconds. We knew you weren't going to actually stop it. Yeah, that's a good point. It's a, it's a business model, and that's how they design their shows, and I don't fault them for that. That's no. the medium, and we're all getting used to that. For better or worse, we're all getting used to it. Yeah, for better or worse. When it translates to, like, weekly TV shows, it's harder. Like, I'm the sole defender of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as, like, a good TV show. I know this. I recognize it. (laughs) But they also have, like, a dramatic cliffhanger every week, except you have to wait a week to watch the next episode. By the time I'm done with the season, I don't remember what the cliffhanger was in the first part of the season that now is coming back. Because they're going off the Netflix model. Yeah, go ahead. Can I ask a very quick question about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Is that, oh, sh- yeah. is that show still on? Yeah, they have a new season coming up. Oh. They're in space now, Chris. Good for them. Good job. Good job. And you know what? This is another thing to its credit. Side note to our show. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. made me like Ghost Rider. So, you know, that's a good oh. gold star right there. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, um, in, in other demon <laughs> news, as we talk about Castlevania... Let's get into what this show is actually about, who these characters are, because it sets up one thing and then doesn't deliver on that. And then it sets up something else that is less interesting. So, (laughs) And then it finds a third thing, which is somewhere between them. (laughs) Exactly. It's like, "Eh, we're sort of there. So we get set up with the idea of Dracula in his castle as a vampire, as a scary person. Um, And we get the character of Lisa, Mm -hmm. Lisa Tepes. And she um, walks through the gauntlet. I know that's a different game, but the gauntlet (laughs) of impaled corpses, which is the opening shot is rows and rows and rows of impaled corpses. So if you're curious about what kind of show you're getting, it's opening shot is impaled corpses rotting. Mm-hmm. So it very clearly tells you this is the kind of show you're watching from the very beginning. And this is the version of Dracula that we're dealing with is the impaler. And she she makes her way to the castle because she wants to study science. She wants to become a scientist and take science back to the villagers and show them that science is not witchcraft. Science is real and it helps you understand the world. Although hilariously, I feel like science is witchcraft in this show. I know it's so complicated (laughs) because here's the thing. The person who is doing the science, who is all sciencing things up, is Dracula. Now, Dracula also is able to summon demons. <laughs> so it's like there is magic, but also he's like this wannabe Thomas Edison and has, you know, elect- 
electricity in this castle and other things. And yeah, prob- why why have a steam powered castle if you can summon one fire demon to power the whole thing? I don't know. So it's it's playing on this. See, he's he's magic, but he's also science. And people are confused and scared of Dracula because of the science, but also because he can summon demons. So it's, it's like, it, it also sets up later on this battle between the church sets is set up as a villain, um, which during that time period, fair, fair enough, you know. Yeah, you know, fair enough. Historical facts, okay. I yeah. see where you're going with this. <laughs> and that's fine. You know, these <laughs> small-minded people um, at the time in the church who saw science and were scared of it and called it witchcraft and would burn people at the stake, um, which is exactly what happens to Lisa, where she talks to Dracula and says, I want them to not be afraid of science. And then it cuts to a jarring shot of her <laughs> burning at the stake and essentially saying, forgive them, don't hurt them, don't kill them. They don't know what they're doing. So a take on the Christ on the cross. Like, they don't understand. They have small minds. Please don't take revenge on them. And you know what? I think you talking about this, that's my core problem with the show. It is the setup and the end and none of the middle to get there. Because they have a similar smash cut later of, like, Dracula saying, like, oh, I'm going to come back in a year and destroy your town if you don't repent. You're like, okay, so this this is what the show's about. That smash cut one year later. Like, Dracula didn't come back. Like, why did we even, why do we need to wait a year? Like, what, (laughs) what was the point of this? What did we learn in a year? Oh, no, no. People just got into different positions. I thought the season one would be, like, fighting residual Dracula left behinds and he'd be like the end of season one and he'd be coming back at the end of the year. Nope. I thought that season one was going to be everything that happened in the first two minutes. Like I thought that (laughs) I thought that was going to be season one where it was this semi interesting beauty and the beast ish kind of thing, but she's going of her own free will and it's a really strong powerful woman the way she talks him down shows that she's really smart and intelligent i was like this is really good Mm -hmm. Um, this is going to be really interesting and dracula she's not scared of him and you know maybe they might have a relationship of some kind and i was like they're setting up this weird beauty and the beast ish kind of thing here that got resolved in seconds it felt like and i think it's the whole first episode isn't it (laughs) Yeah, the well, the 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 first episode, in the first five minutes, you get Lisa entering the castle and then Lisa burning at the stake. Yeah, like I mean, they they do a really good job fleshing out the characters and giving them attributes and making you like people and sympathizing with the characters, and that's great. But it's it's that middle part, the transformation that they like don't do. Because in a video game, that's when you're playing through the level. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like if I would have had maybe two episodes, maybe not the whole season, if it, w- if it was two episodes where I saw their relationship together 
And then it could be even more devastating when the church finds out. Or episode three, she goes back to the villagers and people find out, and then you see her arrested and you see what she goes through. And then you have this really interesting story about what what Lisa is dealing with at these hands, and she never goes against them. She doesn't try to fight back. She's just trying to let it happen, but trying to educate them. And maybe she meets a young girl who works at the church, and she starts to entertain. I'm, I, see, I have to write something. You are writing something. To, to give this... Uh, to to fill in something little it's a little bit more interesting that we missed out on and if dracula ran on pure science and like this was a whole satire of the modern day silicon valley like getting a young person to like transfuse your blood with and steal all their blood and put your blood in them which is a real thing people do with blood boys um if this were a satire of that cool that's pseudoscience let's talk about pseudoscience in this show <laughs> dracula lives forever through pseudoscience and it's just, it was just, I, I appreciated the shock of things are going to be happy. Oh no, she's burning at the stake. You know, that is a really strong thing that undercut the first scene almost immediately. And, and, but it, it robbed the show of telling an interesting story because then after that, all we have is a down-on-his-luck vampire hunter and his misadventures that are totally less interesting. Yeah, there was like a lot of like him listening to people at the bar. I don't know. Okay, so you like the shock, the smash cut of her burning at the stake. No, 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 no. I, I, I appreciated the shock. I didn't like it. <laughs> I appreciated what they did and I appreciated how it made me feel because it was effective in providing shock. I don't like what it did dramaturgically or dramatically. Okay. Well then on the subject of that shock, because I feel like there's a lot of those shocks in this of like da 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 sudden violent thing, sudden gory thing. Um how do you feel about the violence and gore in this? Do you I don't know, do you think that it's earned? Because I think that you can you can use gore well. I'm talking too much. Do you think it's earned, Chris? Uh, I don't think so. I really don't think so. I think it was excessive from the get-go. Like, I think the... I think the, the initial gore of seeing people impaled was justified and good. Mm-hmm. Um, because it felt real. I think the gore of how long we lingered on Lisa burning at the stake, I think that was good. It would have been mm. more effective as a season finale, but I think it was <laughs> I think it was good as far as as far it go as gore goes. Um, but the I didn't appreciate the violence that happened whenever when Dracula came back to have his revenge and the demons started ripping people in half and doing other things because it felt excessive and didn't feel right. I agree with that. I think that violence can be earned and 
I think that gore is necessary in some cases. Um, but when you have as much violence as Castlevania does, you learn to like not care about anybody because like everyone is an expendable like piece of gore. Yeah, they're they're a, a squib. Each each human being is a squib. <laughs> Which is true. And there's just so much blood that comes out of everybody. <laughs> and then that rains down. And it's it's like they set, they set up the church to be, again, the antagonist. Because they burn Lisa at the stake. And Dracula comes back for his revenge. But the church ends up being right in that they're scared of Dracula because he can summon demons. And he does summon demons so the church is right because they're like you know what demons are dangerous and dealing with the devil is dangerous and dracula is dangerous and guess what they were they were right and yes maybe their methods are wrong in the world of this show but they're right they can't so they set up a villain to be completely justified yes these people have every right to be afraid of Dracula. And it's not that he does science. It's that he kills people <laughs> and summons demons. But also science. But also science. But also science. So it we're, was just, we're uncovering a lot of dramaturgical problems. Yeah. And I think uh, I, I, there were just so many questions. And I feel like if we had spent more time with anybody... Anybody, just any, just spend time with a character figuring something out or learning something or feeling an emotion of some kind that maybe I wouldn't feel have so many questions. But I feel like it was excessive from the get-go. And as right or wrong as the comparison is to Dracula's revenge feeling a lot like Anakin Skywalker <laughs> where you know Anakin is afraid for his mother and he goes and massacres a whole bunch of Tuscan raiders and then it builds and then he kills everybody he goes and kills all the Jedi I'm sorry spoilers he kills all the Jedi and becomes Darth Vader spoilers um in episode three but Dracula starts off just killing everybody from the beginning. He's just, okay, you all are dead. Yeah, and there's no reversal because he's already killing everybody. Right. It, it, it needs to be something where it's building. And maybe he's listens to his wife. But maybe there's something that happens where he can't listen to her anymore. But we only ever see him in the first scene with her. And then as a disembodied head cloud thing speaking from the heavens. Well, no, we see him, I guess, later on with his son. Yeah, there's the whole like son thing that happens in a flashback slash the past slash sometime. Where his son tells him. the son gets away. Yeah, and see, that's, you, you forget that. You lose that because there's just so much. I don't know. And there's there's parts of it that are pretty, and again, I have to commend the characters because they flesh out these characters in really interesting ways. Um, it's kind of like, mm, let's say you're at a, for lack of a better metaphor, a drag race like a, like a speedway, 
Um, you're watching, you have all these dragsters and you're like watching, like, yeah, you're in the stands. Like, okay, they're revving up their engines, they're revving up their engines. I'm really liking like what's happening here. There's lots of noise and sound. It sounds like it's going to be really cool. And someone says, hot dogs here. And you look away and you look back and they've all crossed the finish line. Like, that's what the show is. <laughs> but you got a hot dog out of it. Yeah, but it's like full of demons and blood. Yeah, the hot dog's a metaphor for the gore, because it's this piece of horror. It's a centerpiece of horror in the show. (laughs) It's a hot dog. It's like thousands of hot dogs raining down from heaven. Now it's clouded with a chance of Dracula. Which is interesting (laughs) that the demons come, like, from the sky sometimes, but I don't know. (laughs) You'd think they'd come from the ground, depending on your vision. Demons can come from a lot of places. I know. The demons, the worst demons are those inside of all of us, really. We'll have our personal. That would be an interesting scene if it awakens the demons inside of people and then they crawl out of people's bodies and that's how it kills them. Your inner demons, your sins come to life and like rip you from the inside out. I think you're now writing Alien or Metroid. I can't tell. I I don't know. I'm writing something that sounds more interesting, I guess. Ooh, damn. I know. I'm really sorry, Castlevania. I'm very sorry. The, the one thing about Castlevania that I wanted to give it a chance is that I'm not a fan of horror films. Like, I'm not a big horror film person. I get really squeamish at blood. Um, I have an empathy stomach <laughs> where if something happens to somebody on screen, I start to get like a pain in that area and I get really like sick to my stomach or queasy, you know, like. You, you feel somebody like, I don't know, their arm breaks or they get cut or something and my body kind of has this feeling, this empathy feeling there. Anyway, it's, I'm moving on, but that's, I, don't, I don't go into horror films. But I, I was entertained by Castlevania. Yeah. I was entertained by it and... Um, there were moments that I thought were exciting and vibrant and stylish, but it was just missing some meat. It was just missing some meat. If you want some, like, bloody, bloody eye candy, awesome. Castlevania is right for you. Yeah, go. If you start to think about the dramatic parts of it, you're kind of, well, wait, what about, and what about, but what if, hmm, okay, but then, hmm, okay. But in, that's in, my thought process. Yeah, I I would totally agree. But again, the the thing that they had at their advantage is that they were able to not just pull from the video game because nobody, well, I can't say nobody, but there probably are very few folks who have experience with the video games, let alone all th- three, four, five of them. That exist. I think it's more than that. I know. But, but the, so there are very few of us that know the storyline. So they have pretty much a clean slate and can do anything that they want with Dracula. And I, I feel like maybe, and I know it probably won't work this way, but maybe in the second season we'll have lots of flashbacks. Will you continue to watch for a second season? 
I probably won't. I probably won't. I mean, and many I, people will. It it ended on a really nice flat flashback cliffhanger. It ended up on, and not even a type B cliffhanger. Can we talk about cliffhangers again? Like, what yeah, do I do a cliffhanger real recap? Recap of cliffhanger. So, there's a type A kind of cliffhanger where there's no real resolution. The problem's not solved at all, and it just leaves you with either an emergency or you know, a character character's meeting or something where the main problem that they set up at the beginning is unresolved. There's type B where you get a resolution to the main problem, but then something new begins. It's like, oh gosh, well, we we stopped the, the Chitari invasion of New York. Uh oh there's to say that. There's Thanos. Yeah, you know. the type B classic is every Marvel movie where you get the the end of credit stinger. That's the type B cliffhanger. Like, here's something new. I think the type A classic with no resolution is Who Shot Mr. Burns, like the middle of that. Yes, absolutely. And then you have the type C, which is more of an emotional cliffhanger where you're not sure where the characters are going to go emotionally or what their relationship is going to be following things. It's less of... Something like that. It's less about characters being in trouble or peril, and it's more about where are they going to go from here. Um, the big one would be, I would say, in movie form is The Graduate. Um, but in cartoon animated form, which is a little bit more true to our podcast, would be something like any of the three finales of Futurama. <laughs> Yes. So the devil's hands are idle playthings, um, the wild green yonder, and then the actual series finale as it stands. I'd throw overclockwise in there too. Yeah, you're right. Overclockwise. The we're not renewed yet, but we're not sure if we're canceled finale. Was it meanwhile? Meanwhile, I think there's the... I think meanwhile is the the real end one. So, but so go ahead. How do these cliffhangers apply to Castlevania and our end that we get? Which type of cliffhanger do you think we have? They are all type A. <laughs> they are all type A. And we I, we talked about it, and we'll link to it in our show about cliffhangers. Type A is the least dramatically satisfying cliffhanger. And they set up the idea that Dracula is the main villain. And we end meeting somebody who may be able to help them defeat Dracula at some point in the future, possibly. Mm -hmm. It's nothing is resolved. The war is still happening. Demons are still killing people. We've got, as you so wonderfully expressed it, a boss fight (laughs) with a meaningless first level boss. Which is cool in a video game. And it looks pretty in the show, but doesn't achieve anything. And, and that's where it is. The resolution is this big fight and saving a woman from the, the monster. And, oh, there's a new playable character that gets awakened. Unlock player three. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> that's it. It's, it's not, it's, it doesn't resolve anything. The story Type is Type A fully- cliffhangers. 
type A cliffhangers are the things that make you choose next episode in the middle of the night. <laughs> That's what they do. You're right. That is exactly what they do. It's like, well, it's only 1.45. Do. And really, I mean, it's it's only really 22 minutes. It's not like a full half an hour. But then I got to stop and I got to go to the bathroom and get the snacks. Oh, I better get a snack now because this other one. Oh, I got to stop it at this point. Hang on. I'll be yeah. Back. Yeah. You know us, Netflix. <laughs> stop exploiting our weaknesses. <laughs> Big streaming. <laughs> <laughs> so as I was saying... I don't know if I'll follow up with a second season. Would you, Mackenzie, follow up with the second season of Castlevania? Uh, I might. It's in it's in the wheelhouse of things that I... Uh, it is relevant to my interests. <laughs> what interests are those? Like, I know, I mean, like, I'm not like a Castlevania fan, but like video games and Hellboy, if those two things got together, like that's Castlevania, I think. Yeah, it felt like it wanted to be Hellboy... A little bit. But like Hellboy the comics. I know we previously talked about Hellboy the animated show, which is an example of horror without gore, which then becomes an adventure cartoon, which is not what Hellboy is. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, so like Hellboy the comics and video games had a baby. I don't know. I... mm. I may, I may catch it if it is on. I'm not gonna be like, oh, change the channel. I will, I will let it happen to me. I will let the, I will let the waves of Castlevania wash I'm, over I'm me. I'm sorry. You said if it's on. So like, if it's randomly on Netflix playing live, and you happen to catch it, I am still holding out for a Netflix random feature. Yeah, that'd be fun. I would love like like um, Simpsons World. I would love to have Netflix just have like a random feature that will let me trust. Trust the gods of streaming to deliver unto me something entertaining during dinner. Hmm. And I, th- I would love to delineate between episode of something and movie. Like, random TV episode. Go. From any show on Netflix, <laughs> any episode, just play me one episode of something. Hmm. I would let Castlevania happen to be that way. I wouldn't skip like I would what's something I'd skip. Oh. It's something you like, though. Lady Dynamite. I'd skip that. Corn. <laughs> I don't even know what you're talking about. That's how little. <laughs> that's how little into that show I got. Ah, oh, it's just so real to my experience. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> do we have? Did you have a favorite thing from this show? I do, but I just like it because it's very Hellboy. Um, <laughs> I like the <laughs> steampunk castle. I like the like. The mix of the Iron Age and the Age of Steam. For me, um, I liked the concept that, as we've talked about, that Dracula was the bastion of science. But it also was where it held most of my problems with this show. (laughs) Like, I thought it was a neat idea, but I don't know if it's executed well or that it actually holds up. Executed. Yeah. Executed. (laughs) All right. Well, should we talk homework time? I know you're excited for it. He's going to cry. He's so happy. Watch DuckTales Season 1, Episode 1 of the 2017 series. The episode entitled 
Woo That's which the name might of the be episode. two episodes in the future. If you're in the year 2022, listening to this podcast for some reason, yeah, it it's very much. It feels like first two episodes of Ducktales shoved together into one epic ish episode. I would say part one is woo and part two is ooh. Oh, nicely done. Huh? Nicely uh... done. Well done. Nice. <laughs> So watch that for next time. As always, we want to say thank you to Nigel Curtino, our sound engineer, and thank you to Jacob Reed for our theme music. You can find us on Twitter to complain about our dislike of Castlevania because you love it, um, at WG Animated, or on Facebook, facebook.com slash WG Animated. And you can find all of our show notes and links to all of our prerequisite homework of previous podcasts we've done on writersgetanimated.tumblr.com. If you're enjoying the show, leave us an iTunes review. We appreciate them so much. We recently got a review from Hey, Would You Buzz Off? I don't know if that's a real family name or not, but thank you, Haywood. We appreciate the review, and we, we're glad that you see us as a good show. Is this when we instructed people to leave us a review that said something random? Yes. Um, if you leave an iTunes review for us this week, make sure that it includes... The words vampire, steampunk, and demonic big, plague. I'm going with big, big streaming has to be in there. Oh, big streaming. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's like a Mad Lib for iTunes reviews. It's so, a game. <laughs> so we'll see you next time. Good night, everybody.